Welcome to a special DOD to AEC episode of Inspiring People and Places, where throughout the month of November, we are interviewing veterans across the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industries. As always, our goal is to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. But more importantly this month, our goal is to highlight career paths of those who served in our military and continue to make an impact after military service in our industry. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA, a service-disabled veteran-owned small business focused on advising public and private clients with strategy, planning, program management, and construction management support services. Allow me to introduce today's guest. All right, Inspiring People in Places, we are back with another salute to service. We call it DOD to AEC. If the NFL can honor our veterans in the month of November, so can MCFA. Today's episode, depending on how these roll out, as you know, we produce these and, and record these prior to, to release. They're not, they're not live release is another candidate going through MCFA Skillbridge program. So I'm going to welcome him on the show in a minute, but the upfront is Skillbridge is a program available to all private sector companies. We happen to have our own internal one. Other private sector companies can connect to it through a number of Skillbridge programs that are out there. We call ours DOD to AEC, which is all about recruiting veterans or recruiting active duty as they're starting to contemplate their next chapter of their career, trying to bring them into the architect, engineering, construction space. One, because we think a rising tide raises all boats and we know the entire industry needs talented leaders to come into our industry. And two, selfishly, we think that they they should come work for MCFA. So today I'm going to welcome on to the show, Ben Clifton. Ben, how are we doing, buddy? Excellent. Thanks for having me, BJ. Of course. We were talking before the show. I told Ben like, hey, you know, he's like, I've never done one of these. I've never done one of these before. And I said, it's a conversation. Just, you know, we're going to we're going to talk about what you've done in the army, what you did before the army and what's going on in this skill bridge and what's going on in your mind as you navigate. So, Ben, take us back as far as you want to take us back in in your journey. I know you hit the private sector before you joined the army. So, talk to us about your college path what led you to the army and where you are today? Yeah. So I, you know, I'm going to take it back all the way to high school, sophomore year, we attended Lane Tech High School in Chicago. And my family's originally from the East Coast and we were visiting family out there and I decided to have a trip to Annapolis, Maryland, which just so happens to be where the, the Naval Academy is. We don't talk about, we don't talk about that here. Yeah. I'm go, go <laughs> Army, beat Navy. Uh, so, you know, was walking around the campus and was seeing all, all these men and women, young people just getting after it physically, you know, running and, and was in the classroom studying, going to the going to eventually be leaders in the military. And I was that, that culture that I that I saw just was was something that I wasn't used to, you know, growing up in cities my entire life in, in Philadelphia and London and, and Chicago at the time. Um, I wasn't really exposed to, to military, um, didn't have any, um, both my grandfathers were, were in Korea, but kind of skipped a generation. So military service wasn't something I kind of grew up with. And seeing it for the first time um, in, in that environment was something that really sparked my interest. So senior year of high school, kind of applying for colleges and 
Naval Academy and West Point, we're, we're, on, we're on the top of my list. Got the congressional nominations for, for both the academies and uh, made it to the final round and then got a one letter response from each of them saying, thank you for your application, but unfortunately, um, you, you're not competitive enough. Thanks for trying. Um, and, and that kind of stuck with me, um, was, was a little jaded by that experience. And felt, you know, I had, I wanted to serve my country and I felt like it was the honorable thing to do. And felt like I, I was kind of got kicked around there and I felt like I had unfinished business. So fast forward, I, I attended Miami University, refocused my, my plan on, on supply chain management, logistics, and, and that environment was something that was interesting to me at the time. And, and Miami University had one of the top supply chain programs in the country. So attended college, was focused with the business kind of mindset and thought, you know, this is where I'm going to go. Um, flash forward to my junior year, I had the opportunity to study abroad in, in Germany for six months. So my minor was in German, wanted to gain flu fluency over there and was up in the mountains uh, on one of the weekends and ran into a lieutenant colonel who was stationed out, out in Germany. And he, he was hiking in the mountains and randomly, you know, he saw he saw a young American with the American flag on his backpack, and he's like, "Hey, hey, you you stationed down at Hohenfels?" I'm like, "No, no, sir. I'm just out here, you know, studying abroad on a college trip, and uh, kind of trying to get after it in the mountains." He goes, "Hey, you know, we we need guys like you in the army, you know, just up in the mountains getting after it. Like, we we could use guys like you." I'm thinking to myself, you know, at the time, you know, he passes by, and I, I continue out on, on my trip, but. That that kind of that that sense of higher up in the army, kind of still able to go out in the mountains and, and enjoy, you know, just getting it after physically and, and kind of that sense of adventure. And something throughout, you know, my entire life is is that sense of adventure, and that'll come back later on. But so flash forward, you know, I'm I'm back senior year now at college, great time, you know, learning German and and getting ready to to apply for for jobs, and. I'm looking at the whole gambit of opportunities that are in front of me with the corporate sector and that that sense of that unfinished business kind of came back, back all the way from high school in the sense of, you know what, I still have this desire to serve my country. And I got in, involved and talked to a recruiter about the OCS program, the Officer Candidate School program. And at the time, I didn't know much, didn't know much about it, didn't know, really know what I was getting into and went through a variety of recruiters. My my packet got bounced around a lot, went through five different MEPs from St. Louis to Chicago to Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, as you know, there's a lot of bureaucracy and kind of slow paperwork in the Army. And eventually, by the time that my packet got approved, I was already working at Kraft Heinz. And the day I got accepted into OCS was the exact same day I got my, my paycheck from Kraft. <laughs> and, you know, a young guy and in student debt at the time, didn't, didn't really know what to do. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I, at this point, this juncture, I, I, I felt like, well, I've studied for these past four years to go into supply chain, to go into corporate America. And, and here's my paycheck. This is, this is what I wanted at the time. You know, I got that corner office in downtown Chicago, working 73 floors up in the Aeon building. and. I, I thought this this is it. This is what I want to do. And I called up the recruiter, started first class lender, and I said, Hey, 
I, I appreciate this opportunity, but I, I think at this time it's best for me to to continue in corporate America. And hmm. he he was, you know, upset was an understatement. He had worked with me for several months, and he you know the the, the whole contract process is something that they they're rated on. So he he lost he lost me at the time, and he w- wasn't too uh, happy with that. But I told him, hey, I'm not it, this this might not be over. This might not be over, Sergeant. Uh, you know, I might be reaching back out to you, and who knows? He's like, yeah, right. He's like, okay, you know, best of luck. We'll proceed down the road. Flash forward, you know, two years go by. I'm in that same building, and I'm doing the same work day in and day out, typing, working on spreadsheets, getting you know getting to do work and, and making great money, but not necessarily having a sense of fulfillment or that sense of adventure that, that, that I wanted. It wasn't, I, I, you know, I think back to, back to Annapolis and the, the, the physical activity and the guys running around, or I think back to that Lieutenant Colonel and up in the mountains and that sense of the army and I'm watching the news and I'm seeing just guys going down range and, and, and the, the adventure that's within the military. And I didn't feel like, I was having that. And I was 20, 23 at the time. And I thought to myself, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of now or never. And I didn't never, I didn't want to have that sense of regret later on in life if I didn't join. So I called back Sergeant First Class Linder and he was appalled. He's like, I can't believe you're calling me back, man. He's like, you're one of the, he's like, I, I, I thought you were done. And two weeks later, I'm signing the contract down in St. Louis because my paperwork got lost again. So I'm signed down in St. Louis to join the United States Army on an 09 Sierra contract and get sent down to Fort Benning and, and Fort Jackson for basic training and officer candidates. What is an 09 Sierra contract? So that, that's the placeholder. So within the kind of OCS pipeline, you have to attend basic training. Got it. And... So if you get washed out of basic training, you get become needs of the army. So so there's a couple guys who got washed out of OCS and are you know now laundry specialists with with once inspiring infantry officers and I, you know so it's it it was it's it's rough sometimes for 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 the guys. Got it. Yeah, and uh, branched transportation and got sent out to Joint Base Lewis McCord out in Washington State. Got to lead inland control and inland cargo transfer company soon. Got to do some amazing missions with them. Then had the opportunity to serve with First Special Forces Group and their support element and the group support battalion as an executive officer for the Advanced Skills Company. And most recently, serving as the uh, first group mobility uh, lead officer, coordinating all the movements into and out of the, the Indo PACOM region. Kind of flash forward about to now. Hold, uh, hold on, I gotta uh, ask a question. Yeah. Did did you get to hike Mount Rainier? Oh well, that's one of the reasons I'm so no. I was scheduled to go. I had done Mount Adams, I had done Mount St. Helens, I was training up for it, and I tore my ACL training. Mm. Um, gotcha. And that was that was brutal. Absolutely brutal. But it, you know, I'm not I'm not out of the fight yet. You know, ACL's Heal, and I'll be back out there. And sooner than later, Mount Mount Mount, Mount Rainier is going to get conquered. All right, all right, all right. So, first group mobility lead—that's your current position as you're as you're transitioning off active duty. Yes. 
And then, so at what point in time do you make the decision, you know what, my, my active duty service obligation from OCS is coming up. I, I think I've, you know, adventured enough here in the army and, and starting to look uh, elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think it was a mix, mixture of several different things. I think the, the primary one was the injury. I was, was had dreams and aspirations to get into the kind of pipeline and stay in that special forces community. And after the first ACL tear and then a, a re-injury of the tear shortly after due to a, a, a kind of a medical malfunction, kind of pushed me out of the pipeline, um, definitely slowed down myself physically and just kind of lost a lot of the, the wind in my sails from a, from a physical aspect. I think that something that's ingrained into every young military officer is you're a leader. If you can run fast, you know, you show up to your platoons, like you, you want to be the fastest guy there. And I think that that injury definitely slowed it down. And it kind of made me think about what, what is my identity? You know, I'm no longer the fastest guy here. I, I, I'm no longer, I'm, I've been taken out of the fight. And there's guys who have kind of come up and replaced me in, in certain areas. So what what is my identity? What what is important to me as as Ben Clifton, not as Lieutenant Clifton? Not you know what what is important to me? And I thought to myself, you know, I, I had I had written down in my journal several years ago. You know, the plan was never to stay a, a career military guy. It was to continually challenge myself and grow. And I felt that that at that point in time, I, I wanted to change and keep on challenging myself in a different environment. I thought back to a lot of the comments at the time from, from my peers and, and associates were, you know, why are you staying in the army? Well, you know, it's, it's an easy, it's an easy job. You can, you just show up at the right place at the right time in the right uniform and you're going to get promoted. You know, the army's got a recruitment issue right now. If you stay in, you're going to get promoted, man. And that didn't necessarily sit right with me. And I know that's not that's not in all cases. There are some, there is some form of meritocracy, but I, I think at that juncture in the road, um, between between the injury and the sense of you know I wanted to to challenge myself and push myself into a new uh, realm, I, I felt that was a good jumping off point to to transition out. And then, how did you become aware of the Skillbridge program? So I, I think. The Army does a great job of, of setting guys up for success now as they're transitioning out. There's the Soldier for Life program, the SFL TAPS program, where you are shown the full gambit of all the opportunities that are offered to you. You have CSPs, so career skill programs. And within that, you have the skill bridge opportunities, work X opportunities. There's a whole variety of them and it does a really good job of, of, of pushing you out. Um, and meeting with the different agencies and, and interfacing with them. And one of those was the HOH Skill Bridge Program, so Hiring Our Heroes. And I reached out to them, submitted an application, and was lucky enough to get picked up and was looking across kind of the, the scope of all the cities that were um, offered. And one of the regions was the New York, Philadelphia area and got exposed to 50, 50 plus companies it was in, it has several, several dozen interviews with, with, with all these different companies. And well, the first one was actually with MCFA was with Jesse. Uh. And that one, I don't know if he got to me first, but Jesse's very convincing. And I, I think that he's our Sergeant Linder. Yeah. <laughs> he's, 
I got the most out of it was his authenticity and the sense of I didn't feel like I was being sold to. I didn't feel like I had to put on this facade of, hey, um, this this transitioning service member and but this is what you know I can do to he he, he was really pumping the pushing the, the whole MCFA mentality and how at the end of the day, you know, if 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 it didn't work out, we were the, the MCFA was gonna help you find a job. And I think that, that that's what stuck out to me was like, wow, this this company is is willing to work with me and identify what I'm good at and what they they're, they're trying to offer me something. And it's it was more it was less transactional and, and more of an empowerment tool. And I think, you know, that that's you can't really put a price tag on that, especially for, a, a, you know, a, a transitioning service member who's um, has just a lot of questions and doesn't know what they don't know. So join the army, he says, right? Jesse promises you all of this empowerment and career journey mapping and, you know, wild, wild and crazy three month experience while you're on Skillbridge. How have we delivered so far? And this, it, I have not, you know, just, just, I've ne- not talked to Ben about his experience so far ever. So everybody knows. Jesse runs this program. Brian Peepler run our, ran our training. This is our first cohort coming through. This is going on the air no matter what. He could tell us that we are failing in 17 of the 20 areas we, we are trying to hit. But as everybody knows, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So I want real live feedback because. It's going to help us improve. So I'm putting my spell, myself on the spot as much as I'm putting Ben on the spot to hear how it's going. So what, what did Jesse promise you to do, we would do? What have we done? How have we done it? And you know, where are you at right now? I think we're probably seven or eight weeks into the program, seven weeks into the program, five weeks remaining, something like that. Yeah. Just over the halfway point. Go. For, I, so one word to describe. I'm impressed. I, I, incredibly impressed with the 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 what's been offered and what I've learned so far. I think that the way that it was structured was exactly as Jesse was going to say. You know, you open it up with a very similar to the army kind of that crawl walk run phase, or more of the more of the crawling into the walking, but very scheduled with the able to complete the Envision certification with the OSHA 30 and now the PMP certification and kind of understand the fundamentals and get kind of a grasp underneath your belt about what MCFA is, what, how it works within the AEC platform and kind of how to leverage the skills that, you know, I've gained from the military and how to leverage those within, within this industry. And I think when, what really kind of pushed me and was the kind of wake up moment was when, you know, last week you, we got put on an actual project um, and mine happened to be up in New York and I'm sitting down with, with the clients uh, and we're kind of interfacing um, with, with them and I'm, I'm getting to use and pull knowledge that I gained from the military, but also from those classes that we just had. Uh, from the PMP certifications and getting to put those practices into action and getting to start to start to build something. And I, I think that that's invaluable for me because it shows that, hey, the, the skills that you learn from the military do transition over. There's that you might not know anything about the ERP system or, or all these, you know, uh, acronyms within the AC industry. 
but you can learn. And I think that that's something that the military instills in everyone is you have to learn fast. You have to be able to adapt and overcome. And I think that that's the AAC industry is an amazing field for transitioning veterans because that's what it's all about. It's about innovation and, and growing and developing and building something from the ground up. And I think that a lot, there's so many parallels between the service and, and this industry. So I, I think that MCFA kind of bridging that gap has been extremely helpful. And I think it's given me that sense of fulfillment that I originally joined the army for was that sense of fulfillment. It's a sense of adventure. And I think that it's, you know, it's, it's not like I'm going back and, you know, I was offered to be a purchasing man- manager for an aerospace company, or I was going to be a, a financial analyst down on, down on Wall Street and you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. But I think that the sense of the innovation and the growth within this industry is exciting. And it gives you that sense of fulfillment and that challenge that has been with me my entire life. Awesome. I'm happy to hear that. Jesse will, Jesse will be happy to, uh, to hear that we're delivering on what we set out to do. And, and to, you know, for our audience, we are talking about this because we believe everybody in our industry can benefit from veterans joining, joining the industry. Like I said, when we, we started out, Half of the purpose of these podcasts in the month of November is so that Ben can tell a friend and tell two friends and tell two friends about the program and the skill bridge and the AEC industry. But it's also that hopefully many of our listeners who are at big firms, you know, push on their HR department, push on their leadership teams to get involved and, you know, bring in veterans to your organization. The program's goal is to kind of be this soft introduction for transitioning active duty to an industry and to a company. And it's a bit of a try it before you buy it, sponsored by the Army. So the active duty member is really a a paid intern by the Army for your company, but they're an intern with massive skill sets, leadership experiences, technical experiences in a variety of different, different areas. Ben's not an engineer officer that was managing construction projects for the Corps of Engineers. Ben, supply chain officer that was leading leading troops and, and transportation problem sets and training missions. Um, but all of those skill sets are transferable. They're, they're looking at problem sets, they're looking at missions, and they're figuring out, hey, how do we execute this with the resources we have? How do we support the greater goal of, of the overall mission? And those are the transferable skills the core values that are transferable, as one can imagine, and, and I don't want to make a blanket statement about every active duty member that's ever joined the military, but they've been through a pipeline that's kind of weeded out people that aren't fitting for the, the core values of the military, which in the Army, loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, personal courage. But like, there's duty, there's mission, there's camaraderie, there's uh, mission over self, there's other people matter mindsets that veterans bring with them that to me are missing in a lot of the private sector and, and public sector leadership teams out there. So I, I think that veterans may be, and it's not this like plug and play, oh, I hired a veteran all of a sudden, there's, there's instant cultural alignment or they they instantly you know where a veteran goes all of a sudden the environment around them flourishes it's a partnership 
right? There's certain things that the private sector does and why they do it and how they do it. And there's certain things that the military does and why they do it and how they do it. But if, if you get a program and you get the right people thinking about it, I believe that it, it can be a secret sauce to our industry taking on the challenges of the future and improving our industry across the board, which includes in many cases the stewardship of public investment into our public infrastructure. So that's my that's my commercial for the Skillbridge program and hiring veterans here at MCFA and in the AEC industry. So so Ben, you've been in the army for for going on 5 years. You spent some time in the private sector. You've been here for now 6 weeks. Talk to me about leadership lessons you've learned through the military and you know that you think have served you well and you can apply moving forward in our industry. Yeah, so something that stuck out to me, my first my first commander when I showed up to GBLM said that you know, you might be having a bad day, but at the end of the, at the end of it, everything's temporary. You're gonna get punched in the face. You're gonna get knocked down, but it's it's the idea of continuing to push through that adversity to continue to to get that to the the ball across the goal line. And I think having that sense of perseverance and resiliency is something that's indicative of of every army soldier that they're resilient. Something that is definitely talked about. Is, is the master resiliency training. And one of the modules in that is called hunt for the good stuff. So we would often, you know, break out the squads and we talk about, hey, you know, this week was tough. We've been out in the field. We, you know, we've been living off MREs and, you know, we haven't been able to take a warm shower in the past 20 days. But, but what's, what good, what's good going on in your life? What do you have looking forward to? What do you have, what's been going on good out here? And having that sense of, hey, you know, everything might be going wrong at the time, but everything's temporary. And at the end of it, there's going to be a there's going to be a line in the sand. You can move on from that and you're going to keep on moving forward. And I think that applying that mindset to, to now being back in the, the corporate kind of sector kind of shows that, hey, you know, this project might not be going directly as how you wanted it. Maybe the client's upset about something and there's things out of your control, but you control manage what you can, do what you can, because at the end of the day, it's temporary. You can find a problem. You can find a solution to that problem. You can overcome it. And that, that's, that makes you better. And I think that even if you do fail, I think there's a quote at, at the building at 101, and it says, you're, as, you're not failing as long as you're learning. And I think having that mindset and understanding, hey, this is temporary. You know, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to grow from this. And, and always be continually impro- continuously improving yourself and always be looking for what's good going on. I think that having that mindset will help you not only as an individual, but also as a leader. Hunt for the good stuff. I like it. I was at a, long, a breakfast this morning with a company, shout out Lee DiPrinzio, in case he's listening. And we, we were talking about that. Like it, It's so easy to get caught in the negative and, and like cynicism. And... Sometimes that is just like smoking and joking cynicism, uh, but I do think that the the impact that that can have culturally just by always feeling negative, talking negative, pointing out the negative versus, you know, being resilient, knowing that, you know, uh, I think Abraham Lincoln maybe said the quote, success is the ability to move from failure to failure with no, with 
no loss of enthusiasm, something like that. We'll correct it in the show notes. But I agree 100% and appreciate you bringing that. I think we can all continuously focus on hunting for the good. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE verified, service disabled, veteran owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people and places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. Speaking of quotes, do you have a favorite quote? Uh, definitely. It's by Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, it goes, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But by all means, keep moving forward. I think that I've tried to apply that and throughout my life. And it kind of just goes along with that mindset of, hey, you might get punched in the face. You get might might get knocked down. But it's your, it's your job and it's it's your role to keep on pushing forward, to keep on, you know, trying to keep on showing up to the fight. And eventually you put enough work, you put enough effort, things will start going your way. Awesome. How about favorite book? Uh, Undaunted Courage by uh, Stephen Ambrose, The Lewis and Clark Journey from from Virginia out to the West Coast. Was reading that as I was moving from from Bullock, which was in Virginia at Fort Lee, out to Washington State. Uh, it was fun to kind of read. Very along apropos. Day, definitely. Kind of see the sights as I was making that journey. It was awesome. That's great. If you could have dinner with three people. Dead or alive, who would they be? Uh, Thomas Jefferson, Marco Polo, and Miles Davis. Would love to, you know, Jefferson was an explorer in his own right, kind of funding that that core of uh, exploration. And, and I'd love to sit down with him and see what he his thoughts on modern American society would be. Marco Polo was, you know, one of the greatest explorers of all time, traveling from Italy out to the the Silk Road in the Far East. And, the, the, what what he got to see at that time must have been incredible. And then Miles Davis, just I would love to hear him, you know, play play that play that sweet jazz and have a conversation awesome. with him. Yeah. What do you want on your tombstone? How do you want to be remembered? Yeah, I, I think that if people can look back and say he was a, a man of God who loved his family and country and uh, had a few good stories, I, I think I'd be happy with that. Good stuff. And then anything you want to leave with our, our industry about veterans or maybe veterans listening that are contemplating their career transition, next chapter, SkillBridge, AEC, or otherwise, anything you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I, I think that when I was transitioning out um, from, from corporate into the military, now I'm transitioning back out uh, of the military, I think that the, the concept of Skills, you know, yes, there might be technical skills that are on the job application, but more than anything, it's it's about the soft skills. It's about having that uh, sense of leadership, that sense of ownership, and you show up and you're going to try, you know, your best. You're going to try work hard. You're going to put in the time and effort. You're going to be better than, you know, 90% of the people out there. And I think that you show that you're dedicated to something, you're going to do well. And also, you know, it might be scary to to take that first step, but it's also just as scary to kind of stay in that same situation and not feel like you're growing. So I, I think that I, I, I the Army's been great to me. I love the Army. 
but it's, it's, you know, it's time for me to go and I'm excited for it, for the next step and the next challenge. Awesome. Well, Ben MCFA is happy to have you here. And I think the AEC industry gets better with you joining us. So appreciate you taking the time to be with us today and appreciate you choosing MCFA for the skill bridge. Thanks, BJ. All right, buddy. Everybody, until next time, have a great week and a great weekend. Share this with veterans. Share this with companies that you might think could benefit from hearing about it. And appreciate you listening. Take care. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.